Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for uh, being so good to us and be our teacher, Lord, tonight. Open up our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive from you your everlasting, unchanging truth. In Jesus' name, and amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you, Sydney. Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord good? Yes. Jesus is so wonderful. Remember when I first met Terry, she said, isn't Jesus wonderful? I still say that. I like phrases. Amen. Oral Roberts used to say, something good is going to happen to you. Well, I heard him say that. I was sitting about that far away. I about came out of my skin. I was ready for something good. Are you ready for something good? Whoo, glory to God. It's a good gospel. Gospel means good news. Let's look in uh, Acts 14. There is a special reason, and I'm really happy when uh, last Saturday night I had it so strong in my spirit to teach on faith. And was very happy when uh, the Lord instructed Sydney. But for more reasons than I could probably explain in one sermon. But I will say this, about September of last year, the Lord spoke to me as I was praying about January. I'd never, in my spirit, I hadn't been able to see beyond January. And uh, one of the things the Lord shared with me, and, and it, to me was obvious, I even have to go back further. In 2011, I was praying in January of 2011, and the Lord said, this decade will determine the fate of America and thereby the fate of all nations. And it wasn't until 16 that I realized President Trump's term would conclude at the end of that decade. And as I was praying in September, the Lord, the Lord began dealing with me that January is the beginning of yet another new decade. But then he said to me something that surprised me because it's not the vocabulary I use. Do you know God talks to you in your language? I mean, if you read the King James Bible, God will talk to you in Elizabethan English. <laughs> right? And God, God, God have mercy on you if you read the Living Bible. But anyhow, <laughs> so that's, that's a joke now. Don't go crucify me. But uh, uh, God's, God talks to me, I mean, in redneck. So when he, when he does talk to me on other levels, it, it really catches my attention. I've never been one to study certain things. It just doesn't hold interest. It's not wrong. It's just nothing I'm, you know, and one of those is these, I'd hear people talk about, well, you know, these millennials. And typically I'd roll my eyes because I don't even go there, you know, because we're all, well, yeah, because of whatever. Yeah. Well, we're all sinners in front of a, a, a holy God and he's redeemed us all. You know, whether you're Generation Z or Millennial. And I just don't talk about that. And I don't study it. And I know that I don't know about it. So when he said to me that January was the beginning of a new generation, I, I kind of stood, stood up on the inside. And so I did some study on it because I don't know. And, and we are now beginning what's called Generation Alpha. 
You see, the Lord had spoken to me through a prophetic utterance with Ralph Wilkerson back when he first came to us. We were at the host. He had a prophetic word over me. And then in private, he talked to me and he, he said, uh, I see, I perceive. We're going to look at that here in Acts 14. He said, I perceive that uh, you're unfulfilled because you've never been in the right environment. And then he said, you're like a fish that's never been in water. I thought that's an odd thing to say. He said, you've never been in the environment God's prepared you for because they're not born yet. And Generation Alpha wasn't born yet when he prophesied that. But we're entering into a new generation and God's shown me that much of what He's done, maybe not all, but much of what He's done in Church of the Word International since 1987 when we started it. It wasn't really for us. I mean, we get blessed, don't we? But He prepares us for others. We could get off subject, but you have the parable of the sower that He sows the Word into our heart. But if you keep reading, you'll find out another parable of the sower where He sows you into the world. Amen? And if God so loved the world that He gave Jesus, you're cooked. Because He'll give you in a minute. In a heartbeat. Right? And He still loves the world. And He's prepared us. And so when, when, when the Lord was dealing with me, he actually he even told me, don't print your book this year. It's the wrong generation. That book isn't for this generation. It's for this next generation. Now, I know nothing's really changed here. We're all the same people. But we're in a new generation. And we need to speak the truths from the old generation and repeat them and rehearse them lest this next generation lose that. And that one of the things we need to be really strong on is faith faith look here in acts 14 <clears throat> verse 7 and there speaking of paul and barnabas in being in galatia there they preached the gospel they preached the gospel we know this word gospel it, it simply means good news gospel actually isn't even a word that we would use today it became a biblical term and it lost its meaning there they preach good news, not bad news. Amen? Good news. As I've, as I've been very happy to hear Timothy, or, uh, Tim, not Timothy, my Timothy, as I've been happy to hear Pastor Sidney preach, theology is real simple. Good God, bad devil. Got it? Say it with me. Good God, bad devil. You just graduated. We'll give you a certificate and everything. But you'll fight for that for the rest of your life. He, he, there they preached good news. And there sat a certain man. And, and they, this is specific. There, this was a real man. Don't read, the, don't read the Bible like you read Grimm's fairy tales. This was a real human being. That woman with the issue of blood was a real woman who was suffering real pain. Identify with the reality of the Bible. This certain man was impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb his whole life. 
he never had walked. Now, we don't know how old he is, but he's a man, not a boy. So he's more than 13. He could have been 14. They called them men. Amen. Any of you teenagers probably should have said amen at that point, but I don't know. He was a real man. Had never walked. This same man heard Paul speak. Now what did he hear then? Well, he heard, obviously, we already know, he heard the gospel. But what was the content of that good news? He heard the good news, but, but what was it that he heard? We don't know that specifically, but we do know that whatever it was specifically spoken by the Apostle Paul, it produced something. The same heard Paul speak, who, Paul, steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and he walked. Now, notice a few things here. And what I want to really talk about tonight is faith to be healed. You've heard umpteen sermons on healing in the last six months. I don't know how many, 18? 19? 20 reasons, I'm not sure how many sermons. Maybe 12, 13. A whole lot. 12, 13 sermons on God's will to heal and why it's God's will to heal or why we know it's God's will to heal. Whatever this man heard, he, I'll tell you this right now, he didn't get 13 sermons. He wasn't able to follow it up on the way home by listening to a Hagen uh, 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 mp3 audio recording he couldn't even go to churchoftheword.com and listen to Dale Armstrong he had one sermon listen to me because sometimes people miss this one sermon will hear you if you know what to do with it so a lot of times what we do is we try to plant a garden around our feet by taking a whole 50 pound bag of seed and just dumping it on our feet you just need to know how to plant seed to get the harvest. Amen? This man heard one sermon. He had never walked. He was a cripple from his birth. And yet that one sermon changed his life forever. That's why I love the Copelands. They have a phrase too. My phrase is one way we love God is by loving one another. Brother Copeland, they have a phrase, you know, one word from God will change your life forever. Amen. I like that. I like all of them. They're all good. Amen. So here's this man and he hears this good news. And Paul sees faith in this man. You see, he didn't see faith in everybody. Hebrews 4 talks about that. It says, you know, this same gospel was preached to everybody. But it wasn't received by everyone. You're responsible for what you hear. See, faith then, is, and, and as, as I want to get into some of this, this, the most important aspects of faith, you've got to recognize your personal responsibility for, for, for walking in faith in your life. And you need to determine 
that you're going to live the life of faith. It's a, it's a beginning step in how you even relate to this idea of faith. I remember when I first came to Lancaster, Terry and I and the family, we moved here in, what was it, 2001, 2002? And I met a man who'd, who'd gone to all the Bible school and had done some preaching. He was a lay preacher. And never forget, I met him and he looked at me. We were having a little conversation. He looked at me and he said, you know, I'm sick and tired of faith. I was shocked. I said, well, maybe that's why you're sick and tired. <laughs> he, he, he did later come back around. But he had developed an attitude about faith because, I suppose, of disappointments in life. But he stopped uh, feeding his faith. He stopped living by faith. And I want to really be strong on you that we have a personal responsibility to live by faith. Turn with me quick to Mark chapter 5. Jesus had preached this powerful sermon on the sower sows the word. Then he got in a boat and he said, let's go to the other side. He sowed the seed. He'd already preached that the farmer sows the seed and goes to sleep. And then he rises up and the seed is sprung up. He knows not how. So he sows the seed. Let's go to the other side. And he goes to sleep like the farmer. But Peter didn't go to sleep. Peter was too worried about how. Because a storm came. And so he wakes up, Peter wakes up Jesus and says, Master, don't you care that we perish? And he had just heard the sermon that the cares of this life will choke the word so it doesn't bear fruit. So here's Peter choking the very word where Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Jesus didn't say, let's go out in the middle and sing. Amen. And so Peter, in fear, wakes Jesus up. So Jesus gets up in the bow of the boat and says, Peace be still. And he speaks to the wind and the waves. Amen? Remember, Jesus spoke to the problem. He spoke to trees. He spoke to the wind and to the waves. And he rebuked them. And there was this great calm. There was a miracle. Now notice verse 40. And he said to them, meaning the twelve disciples, the apostles, why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You see, if it's God's responsibility to give you faith, he could never say that. I want to really emphasize this because you're going to walk in the faith of God that you determined to walk in. You're going to be as close to God as you determined to be. James says, draw nigh to God and I'll draw nigh to you. If you're not close to the Lord, it's not his fault. Jesus made no bones when he said to his disciples, you know, if, if you don't like it, go follow somebody else. Amen. He didn't chase them down and try to explain it. No, no, no. I'm sorry I was hard on you. You didn't understand what I mean. No, he... he if you want to be close to God, you've got to be the initiator. And faith is always your step. Always. Later, another powerful verse is Luke 18, 18. Jesus is speaking and he says, when the Son of Man returns, how many of you know Jesus is coming back? 
Do you want to know? Everybody has a question about when Jesus comes back. You know what Jesus' question is? Luke 18, 18, he says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? What a question. So if faith is God's responsibility, well, well then how could he ever ask that question? It, it, it bothers me that he would even be thinking of asking the question. But yet, I do understand it. Because I look around. Uh, I was introduced to faith when I was 16 years old. And I was, was dealing with asthma. I was an asthmatic from the time I was born. And I'd been raised up in a church that was consistent, in, at least, <laughs> in teaching that uh, you know God uses these sicknesses to teach you, to humble you. I remember our youth pastor; his wife suffered terrible migraines, you know, and every time she would get a headache, you know, God was teaching her something. And here I was, just 16 years old, and you know, barely knew nothing about Jesus, and I couldn't figure out if God was teaching her. He sure wasn't doing a good job because she wasn't learning anything. And then there was always this big question mark. If that's the way God teaches you, who wants that? Amen. Why don't we have altar calls for God to teach you? And we'll come and you come forward and we'll pray for y'all to get cancer and leukemia and everything else. Because obviously that's how he wants to teach you. No, he sent the Holy Spirit to teach us. Praise God. He sent the Holy Spirit, not sickness. Amen. And, and see, I didn't, I, I came out of that. And when I saw, a, had a revelation of faith, I began to study faith. I began to listen to everything I could get a hold of. And 40 years later, I'm still studying faith and I'm still learning how to apply it. it granted, at different levels. I wish my problems today were the problems I had when I was 16. But they're greater problems. But your faith, it, it just kind of, there's a law of reciprocity. Amen. You know, when, 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 you, when you're watching sheep and that's your problem and the bear shows up, you find out you're stronger than you realized and you get a victory under your belt. And then pretty soon you're facing lions and you get a victory under your belt. But before you know it, you're standing in front of Goliath and hacking his head off with his own sword. Amen. And so when you're, you're pastoring and people come to you bawling and squalling about their problems, it's really kind of funny because you know what's in their future. A bigger problem. I'm here to encourage you tonight. Anybody have problems? Once you get victory over that one next week, there's going to be a bigger one. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but your faith will be bigger too. Amen. It's like I was bawling one time to the Lord. I mean, I figure he knows everything. You might as well be honest to it. You're not going to hide anything. Amen. I mean, so I'm just being honest with the Lord. I, it was one of those times where somebody gave us some extra money and then the washing machine broke. You know what I mean? And it's gone. And I'm sitting there at a stop sign bawling to the Lord about how, you know, I'm broke and all, you know, I get blessed and then it's gone. I get, I get this little extra money and then I got this need and you said you'd meet all my needs. Yeah. Spirit of God spoke to me and said, a promise to meet your need is a promise you'll always have one. <laughs> How many of you live long enough to know that you don't even remember those old needs? You, you, I mean, Terry and I remember where times where we think, well, I'm not sure how we're going to get through the month. 
And somehow we got through the month. Somehow there was enough food to feed the kids. Somehow here we are still going on and our needs are still met. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Amen. So the subject of faith is something you got to grab a hold of with both hands, hold on, and apply yourself. We're going to come back to Acts, but before we do, go to Hebrews. Let's look at first in Hebrews chapter 4. Greatest joys I've had is preaching faith to people who've never heard it. Now let's go to 11. I'll come back to 4. Classic verse on faith. Hebrews 11.6 But without faith, don't get worried because you're not without faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So we have two things here about faith. When you come to God, you must believe that He is. Amen? Congratulations, you've, you've gotten as far as the devil. Because the Bible says the devil believes in God and trembles. You better believe the devil believes in God. Amen? He believed that He is, but now He gets into His character, doesn't He? That God is good. It's a good gospel. It's a good God, bad devil. Remember theology? Believe that He is and what? That He's a rewarder. Say rewarder. rewarder. See, something good is going to happen to you. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. See, the goodness of God is the basis of our faith. Faith is our response to His faithfulness. Amen? It's knowing God and His character that's the subject or the ground or the foundation of our faith. But I want to I take it a step further. But it's not the object. Notice back, now go back real quick to Acts 14. You know, I've had people all, all for 40 years, I've had one thing people have asked me. I don't understand, Pastor, why I'm not healed. I believe in God. I've been believing God. Why am I not healed? Because believing God won't heal you. Well, I need to build up my faith in God and I'll be healed. You, you, you can keep building your faith in God and never be healed. Because faith in God won't heal you. Paul didn't preach the gospel and see that the man had faith in God. He had, what, he had very specific. He had faith to be healed. Faith to be healed is not faith in God. Faith in God is not Faith to be healed. Many people have died believing God. Or believing in God. You see, faith in God is the subject of your faith. But you need to understand that your desire or the end result you're looking for is the object of your faith. This man had faith to be healed. 
Now somebody said, well, obviously then he believed in God. Yeah, but what, what did he, what did he believe in? It's one sermon. This man is a pagan. You, you know, we could talk about this a long time. I'm not even convinced the man's born again yet. Now I'm quite, I'm quite sure he got born again, but I've been in these kinds of meetings. I remember I was thinking about one today. I was preaching in a place called Mariupol, Ukraine, where they had the church in a theater. And there was a woman, it's even captured on a real old picture we have, and she was sitting on the end row. And while I was preaching, I kept looking at her, and she kept smiling. She was real polite. And God healed her of of hernias that you could, you know, all the women were squawking like chickens because they, you know, it was gone. She was completely healed. Just sitting there. I never prayed for her. God just came in and, and healed by the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, then I found out she was the manager of the theater and was going to shut them all down because she didn't believe in evangelical churches. She was Orthodox. And then she heard there was an American coming and she came just to hear a native English speaker. And God healed her before she got saved. You know, how'd God do something like that? I'll tell you how. Because He's a good God. He loves people. Now, she did get saved. I led her to Jesus myself. I don't know about this man. Did he even have time to get saved? Because Peter's in the middle, or Paul's in the middle of his sermon. He's preaching a good news gospel. And whatever the content was, this man has faith to be healed. And he perceives that he has faith to be healed. So I said, well, yeah, but didn't he have faith in God? Yeah, but what God? And how much did he have faith of? Do you think he knew about the Trinity? Do you think he knew, you know, about eschatology? Do you, do you think he'd studied the, the, the inspiration and, and hermeneutics and all the other? No! I know he didn't have a Bible. They didn't have Bibles. He couldn't read Ephesians. They didn't have Ephesians. But whatever it was that Paul preached produced faith in this man and Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed. Now, where is the man at this moment? Follow me in this. You're going to learn some things today. Where was this man when Paul perceived he had faith to be healed? Sitting. Or maybe laying. But he wasn't leaping and walking. He'd never walked. Paul perceived he had faith to be healed in his condition, right? In other words, the man had faith to be healed, but he wasn't. I've learned in 40 years that many, many people have faith to be healed and they're never healed. This man had faith to be healed, but he wasn't healed. Not until Paul steadfastly beholding him and looking at him, said with a loud voice, Get up! And the man leaped and walked. I nearly killed a woman in Siberia once doing that. I don't pick on women anymore. Why did he say it with a loud voice? Same reason I did and got your attention too. I believe that man jumped up before he knew what was up. Says he leaped and walked. Paul motivated that man to act on what he believed. 
He had the faith to be healed, but he was sick. He had the faith to be healed, but he didn't release it. But Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed, not faith in God. See, how do you act on faith in God? Well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. God and faith in God is always the object. It's always based in the character of God. See, the object of my faith is always His character, His nature, His love, which generally results in a promise. Let me give you another example. I don't want to belabor this, but I feel like some of you need to get a hold of this area. Paul was on a boat as a prisoner. And, he's, and, he, and the Romans have him and they're taking him to Caesar. And there's a great storm. And they're all going to die. And they've been fasting. And an angel appears to Paul. I believe it's Acts 27. An angel appears to Paul and says, Fear not. Because God's giving you everybody in the boat. So there's going to be a revival. Amen. He says, then he says, but you're just going to, you're going to have a shipwreck. You're going to be cast on some island, but God's giving you everybody. So then Paul gets up in front of the, these people, pagans, or, 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 or worshipers of Roman gods. And he says, listen, I believe God. There's the, ob- or the subject of your faith. I believe God. That it shall be as it was told me. There's the object of his faith. See, believing in God is the foundation. It's the first step based on his character. But God gave him a promise that was delivered through an angel. Now he's got the object of his faith. It shall be as it was told me. Let me give you another example. There was a woman, Mark chapter 5, with an issue of blood. There was a certain woman who had this issue of blood. What, what, how many years was it? 17? Something like that. Who had, who, had, who, who had gone to all the physicians, spent all of her mo- money. She was nothing better, but rather grew worse. It was getting worse. But the same heard of Jesus. Oh, glory. But what'd she hear? Maybe she heard sometimes God heals, sometimes He doesn't. That would not have motivated her to risk her life and go press through the crowd to touch Jesus. Maybe she heard, well, God uses this to teach us. Would that motivate you to risk your life? See, all all of these excuses and false doctrines, you just need to put them into just that one single story and you can eliminate them all. Whatever it was she heard about Jesus was sufficiently motivational enough to get her to risk her life and push through a crowd because she was ceremonial unclean and she was not allowed to be out in the public. But she pushed through the crowd to touch the hem of Jesus' garment for she said, if I believe in God strong enough, I'll be healed. No, see, but obviously she had a faith in God that was the foundation. It was the subject of her faith. But her object of her faith was very specific. If I may touch but the hem of His garment, I shall be healed. See now, here we have Paul on the boat. I believe God. It shall be as it was told me. That's the focus. And here here we see this, this man in Acts 14. 
he believed, Paul perceived that he had faith to be healed. Here we have the woman with the issue of blood. If I may touch but the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. A lot of people I've recognized, myself included, over the years, you have this faith in God in a general sense, but you've never had a point of contact, as Oral Roberts used to call it, where you release your faith in a specific way to receive a specific concrete thing. Amen. And this is where we, we, we sit in our sickness or our disease. We've never walked and we've got the faith to be healed, but we don't rise up. We don't spring up. And so Paul said with a loud voice, stand up on your feet and walk. So going back to Hebrews 11, Paul, or Paul is writing here and he says, look, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Were you, how many of you here are followers of Jesus Christ? Ephesians 5, I believe it's verse 1, says, be imitators of God. You know what it is to be an imitator of God? I'm a good uh, imitator. My wife says I'm a chameleon. She can tell who I was, what's, what preacher I've been listening to this week by how I preach. I like to follow a pattern. Examples are important. Amen? It's good to have someone ahead of you running the race. Paul said, follow me as I follow the Lord. We need good examples. Hebrews 6 says, uh, uh, don't be like a sloth, don't be slothful, but followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He didn't say faith and patience is how you inherit the promise. He said, follow the ones that inherit. Follow the ones that receive. And when you do, you'll find out how they receive. You, you'll recognize, get around people who walk in the power of God and the power of God will get around you. Here Paul is writing and he says, look, God is not pleased without faith. And you're an imitator of God. Why are we pleased without faith? Why are we pleased with our own life without faith? I, there has to come a point of desire. I want to live by faith in the miraculous. I want to live. I don't want to read books about prayer. I want to pray and get answers. I want to lay hands on the sick and they recover. Amen. Result, being result-oriented is not wrong. Being result-oriented is simply a modern-day way of talking that God is a rewarder. All it means is this Gospel works. God's Word works when we work it, work it, work it. <laughs> I, lo I love that song, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> just need the big beard. and the <laughs> Begin to develop a mentality of faith and impose it upon yourself, not upon others. We receive others and have compassion on others. J Jesus, you know, uh, would, would, had compassion on everyone, right? We, we receive everyone and don't allow your walk of faith to become a legal system to someone else. Amen? But without this faith, you're not going to please Him. And I want to please the Lord, so I'm going to begin to 
look at things from this perspective of faith. Go with me to Romans 10. Again, I'm preaching to this new generation, and I hope I'm preaching as if you've never heard a message of faith in your life. Faith comes to us, as it did this man in Acts, very, very simply. Look here in uh, verse 15. This is why preachers are so important. Acts 10, verse 14. Let's look at that. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? He didn't say without a pulpit. He said without a preacher. Some of you need to start preaching on the job. Some of you need to be you know, preaching in the, in the, the aisles or wherever you shop. Amen. We need preachers. How shall they preach except they be sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, the good news of peace, and bring glad tidings of good things. For they have not all obeyed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who's believed our report. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's your object. God's word was, don't worry, Paul, fear not. Everything's going to be all right. Paul said, I believe God, it shall be as it was told me. Just if he just stopped and said, I believe God, that's not enough. It's what do you believe about God? The basis of your faith, the, the, ob, the subject of your faith is God and his character. See, if you if you heard that in some message or something, that someone was giving away, you know, uh, uh, free money, just going to give it away. We, and you don't know who that someone is, well, you, you, you probably even laugh at it as a, as a, as a joke. But if, if someone said, Pastor Sidney's going to give away free money Saturday night, now you're going to base, you're going to analyze the statement completely different. You're going to say, oh, Pastor Sidney, yeah, he's a wealthy guy. Well, he just might be handing out $100 bills instead of, instead of uh, church bulletins this week. See, everything changes when you consider the character of the one who said it. Right? So it's not just what God says, but it's who God is. And because we know who He is, that He's good. Then when what He, what he says, fear not, Paul, everybody on this boat, God's giving them all to you, and you're going to be washed up on some island. This is the way it's going to happen. Then Paul was able to say, I believe God. Why? Because I know Him. And it shall be even as it was told me. Now, I want to keep reemphasizing this because this is where I failed and this is where I see other people fail. Don't let faith become mechanical. Faith's no different than falling in love with your wife. As you fall in love with your wife, you have faith in what she says because you know who she is and you know she believes in you. And you know, you might go through some hard times because you're a stupid husband, but, but she ain't going to kick you out. and She's going to hold on. She's going to forgive you. And you make it through. Why? Because you know who she is. Right? A lot of times people take faith and make it mechanical. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. By his stripes I'm healed. By his stripes I'm healed. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. There's no relationship in that. 
And then they give faith a black eye and a bad name because faith has become some kind of magical formula. You might as well become Catholic again and just take another lap around the rosary. But when you know God, and when you spend time with Him, and with His Spirit, and feeding on His Word, and you, you meditate on that Word, by His stripes, you are healed. And the weight of it hits you. That Jesus went to the cross and paid a real price with real blood. And He did it. And He prefigured it with a communion cup. And He said, this is the cup of My blood. This, is, this bread is My body broken for you. And He broke it and gave thanks. Then all of a sudden you say, by His stripes I'm healed. Why? Because you believe God is the subject of your faith. But by His stripes I'm healed is the object of my faith. And you release that faith. See, this man, let's go back to him, Acts 14. You, you, Paul perceived that he had faith, Acts 14, because Paul was faith conscious. Paul was faith sensitive. I'm sensitive to what people say in certain spheres. I hear Democrats preach and I, and I feel socialism because I spent 20, more than 20 years in Russia. And I'm, and I'm serious about it. I, I hear things other people don't hear. I, I can feel it. It's a spirit. I'm sensitive to certain things. Become faith sensitive. See, Paul perceived this man had faith to be healed. Paul, P -P Jesus saw faith. Did you know you can see faith? In fact, the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if it's an evidence of something you can't see, you have to be able to see faith. And if you can't see faith, it ain't faith. Because faith is the substance of things you can't see. So Paul perceived this man had faith to be healed. He's preaching. And I know what Paul was doing because I've done it for 40 years. While I preach, I have wonderful conversations with the Lord. I talk to God while I'm talking to you. It took me a while to learn it. it. took three or four years of preaching hard before I could work out of my spirit while I'm speaking. But then, you know, and you see someone and you're gravitated to them. And you know God's dealing with them. And you let the Holy Ghost lead you. And there's something about that moment. And the words you say are fitted like keys in a lock, and they go into their heart because it's what they need. See, the Spirit works with the Word. And He builds that faith. So there's, there's Paul preaching, having, having this focus on this man, and he perceives this guy's got... He's never walked. And they, who knows? They had to, obviously had to carry him in there, right? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was in the marketplace and he was just laying in the dirt and that's where Paul started preaching. But maybe it was a synagogue and they brought him in. I, I don't know where he was. But Paul looked at him and he perceived that he had it. But he still wasn't acting on it. See, I see people, when you get sensitive to faith, I see people and we're not living to the potential. I'm not saying anything to condemn anybody. I've been there right along with all of us. but And you got the faith to be prosperous, but you're sitting in your poverty. 
You got your faith to overcome depression, but you're sitting there in your tears. You've, but, but you got the faith. Why? Because you heard more sermons than this man heard in his whole life. And the faith's there. But, but how to activate it? So Paul perceived it. And he looked at the man and he said with a loud voice, Stand up! And the man reacted. And he stood up and he leaped and he was healed. You've got to understand that you can have faith. Somebody said, oh, I believe in God. Why am I not healed? Well, that man had faith too. He wasn't healed either. And there's a good chance you can die and believe in God all the way if you don't release your faith. I was preaching in Meadville, Pennsylvania. Boy, my watch is fast. And I, I, I was preaching in Meadville, Pennsylvania in a small group, smaller than this. And uh, I'd already started preaching and the door opened in the back and a woman came in. And uh, I didn't know her. I, knew, I mean, I knew she was a, a guest, a first-time visitor, because when there's like 30, 40 people, you know everybody, right? And she, she, she comes in and she sat in the back real quick, politely, because I was in the middle, not in the middle, but already started preaching. And when she, just as she was sitting down, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me while I'm preaching. I want to heal her. Well, that see, being sensitive to faith, that's, of course you do, Lord. He wants to heal everybody. And if there's a question in your mind that God wants to heal everybody, get over it. He wanted to heal Pharaoh. And he did. Raised him up. God's a good God. And uh, so I kept preaching. And then... When, I couldn't wait because I was excited because when God speaks like that, which is by the gifts of the Spirit, I knew there was a miracle. Something's going on. So when I was done preaching, I, I just pointed her out. I said, excuse me. Uh, uh, yeah, you, sweetheart. Uh, would you stand up? She stood up. I said, would you step out in the aisle? She stood out in the aisle. I said, when you walked in, the Lord spoke to me and said He wanted to heal you. Do, do you need healing? And she said, she nodded in the affirmative. I said, well, come down here. Well, she got about halfway down the aisle. I realized that was a wig she had on. I couldn't tell from being further away, but as she got down and, 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 and watching her walk, she wasn't walking confident, you know, she had something with her gait. And she got down to the front. And I said, well, what do you need from the Lord? And she said to me, uh, I have a, a brain tumor. I've been diagnosed with a brain tumor about the size of a walnut right here in the side of my head. And uh, they've done chemo. And it's inoperable. And the doctors, they say, uh, I've got about three months to live. That'd take the air out of the church. Well, God said, I want to heal her. That's what the Lord said. Amen. So I said to her, well, isn't it exciting that God's got your number? I, I never met you before. So the Lord's showing himself to you. He wants to heal you. Let's pray and the Lord will heal you. And so I prayed for her. Now I don't, I'm not moved by what I feel and I'm not moved when I pray for people. Like I gotta, I gotta feel goosebumps to know that something has happened. Right? I, I know that's wrong. But I'm telling you, I've had more success praying for fire hydrants than praying for that woman. I knew nothing happened. 
And it made me sick to my stomach. Because this woman's going to die. And I prayed a prayer. And I, I might as well have just stayed home. And it hurt me. God loves people. Sometimes it's not just about healing. It's about the love of God. You know, if you really understood the love of God, you'd pray for everything that moves. And I remember I stepped back from her and my, my antenna went up to heaven, you know. I, my heart cried out to God, Lord, help me help her. She, she's, not, she's not receiving. What did I do wrong? What can I do to help her? Then the Spirit of the Lord immediately spoke to me and said, why don't you try be believing me? <laughs> that was almost not fair. That's exactly what he said. Why don't you try believing me? And I thought, oh, yeah. Here, I, here what am I? I prayed for her and I'm the one depressed. <laughs> That's not faith. What is that? Besides stupid. I don't know about you, but I'm sensitive to people when they pray. It's like they pray and it builds and builds and builds. And then all of a sudden the air goes out and the prayer falls flat. Oh, that bothers me. Prayer ought to, prayer ought to erupt and blast off like a rocket. And, and uh, here I am. I'm the one guilty. Because I prayed for and I paid attention to the fact that I didn't sense anything. And it was like praying for a fire hydrant. And, and oh Lord, she's going to die. And the Lord says, no, why don't you try believing? So thank God for the church. Because when the pastor's stupid, the church can hold them up. Amen. <laughs> and uh, so I said to everybody, hey, isn't it exciting that the Lord knew her number, had her number before she... Come on, everybody. Let's praise the Lord together that God's healed her. And, and, and the troops jumped in. Thank God for the troops. And they all start praising the Lord. Hallelujah! Good. Did you know you can praise God? You don't need music. I thank God for music. But if you can't praise God without music, you never have. Uh, and, and, and everybody started praising and that kind of dimmed down and while everybody was praising that she was healed not going to be healed but was healed she just standing there blinking at me just this little tiny thing she's only about this high just blinking at me and I said sister I said come on sister join with us and praise the Lord and she looked at me and she said we don't do that in our church and I said, without thinking, I said, sister, this isn't your church. <laughs> and we do it in this church. I said, praise the Lord, sister. And she just looked at me like I was the oddest thing around. <laughs> and I knew God said, believe, so I'm going to believe God. And I said, I lifted my hands up and she's just standing there in front of me. And I, hallelujah! My Jesus is alive. Jesus is the healer. Hallelujah. And I looked at her. And I said, praise the Lord, sister. And she looked at me again. Second time. She said, we don't do that in our church. I said, you're not in your church. You're in my church. And I grabbed her by the wrist and I held her hands up. I'd probably just gone a little too far, but once you've gone that far, you don't quit. 
And I said, praise the Lord, sister! And I start shaking her. And praising. And she's just looking at me. And every once in a while she said, praise the Lord, you know. I'm sure she's trying to find the exit sign. And I put her hands down for a minute. And I stepped back again and I thought, Lord, help me help her, Lord. And when, when I did it that second time, I saw it. I saw what to do. See, faith, the beautiful thing about faith is faith is not exclusive. Faith will allow you to operate in the Spirit. Faith will show you how to walk in love and love will break the door down. See, faith, don't, don't just isolate on faith that that's the only thing. But faith is always the beginning. And I, and I asked the Lord, what should I do? And I saw an x-ray. And I knew what to do. And I said, sister, have you seen an x-ray of this tumor? And she came alive. You know why? Because people are focused on their problems. They live in their problem. They talk about their problem. Some of them are proud of their problem. Amen. It's how they get affirmation. And she started talking about her problem. Oh, yeah. I've seen the, I've seen the x-ray. It, it, it's about this big. It's right here. Doctors say, you know, in a couple months, I'm, I'm going to die. They've, they, you know, all the hair on my body's falling off with the chemo. I can't drive anymore. They took away my license. I can hardly walk. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my motor skills. She's just going on and on. She's, I mean, and I had to stop her. And I said, yeah, okay, sister, you've seen the x-ray. I said, what would happen? Oh, glory. This is so amazing. I tell this story sometimes, and I keep looking at Terry like, this really happened. Remind me this really happened. There's many. That room is full of people. This, I'm not stretching the truth. This is God's glory. I said, sister, what would happen if, if tomorrow they took another x-ray and they showed you the old x-ray and there was the tumor. They show you the new x-ray and there's no tumor. What would, ha what would you do? And she looked at me without missing a beat. And she said, well, I guess I'd scream. And I said, that's it, sister. Scream. And I'm sure I spit on her too. I said, scream, sister. And I started screaming at her. I said, scream! And she started screaming. She started screaming louder than I was screaming. And then she got it. And she started praising God and screaming. And she went that week, came back the next Sunday. They took another x-ray. And that tumor was gone. And she's alive today in Texas. See, she had to release her faith. You want to know how many sermons she had on faith? One. How many sermons did this guy have on faith? One. How many sermons have you had on faith? See, you probably don't need another sermon on faith. You need to learn how to scream. You, you need to learn how to leap up. You need to learn how to, for she said, if I may touch but the hem of its garment, I shall be healed. You need to learn the Object of your faith, because you got the subject down. The subject is, I believe God. It shall be as it was told me. Learn to speak your faith. Learn to release your faith. Learn to scream.
Amen. This point of contact is directed by the Spirit. I want to say this. Don't get into the mechanical world of fantasy. But when you, when you meditate on His Word, He will lead and guide you and tell you what to do. He may tell you, I remember I was, I was in, my wife was 10 days in, after giving birth to our first child and she was struggling. We, she almost died in childbirth. And I was pushing every button and pulling every lever. And I was desperate. And I'm, and I'm crying out to God and seeking the Lord. And I'm on my knees in her, her uh, room in the hospital. And the Spirit of God rose up on the inside of me and said, go give that new VCR that's still in the box. Any of you know what a VCR is? Man, that's a long time ago. It's brand new. I even think it might have been beta. It was a good one. Go give that new VCR to this fella whom I wanted to shoot between the eyes. I was, we weren't friendly. You know, strife will just kill your faith. Not walking in love will kill your faith. Here I am looking for, see, if you don't listen to the Spirit, you won't know whether you ought to press through the crowd. Right? And the Lord said, go give that VCR to that fella. I was out of that room like right now. Go pack that thing up. Don't even look at it or you might change your mind. I have learned this. So you might want to write it down. Instant obedience is so you don't talk yourself out of it. That's why instant obedience is so important. Because I have talked myself out of it in other times. And you, you just don't want to do it. The Lord says give or do or say or, or jump on a plane. You know, do it. If it's the Spirit of God. See, that's where then I released my faith. I had a point of contact. I had a point of contact now. That was my, if I can press through the crowd and touch but the hem of His garment, I shall be healed. I heard the Spirit of the Lord. And so then you act on that and you're releasing your faith. Her, her point of contact was, well, I guess I'd scream. You might say, well, the Bible says call for the elders of the church. And so, so you call up Pastor Sidney and say, hey, I need you to come by and lay hands on me. And then that point of contact, you pace the floor and wait till he shows up. How come it's taking him so long? And then he comes in the room, lays hands on you, and you say, thank you, goodbye. Because that's what you needed. Releasing your faith in that point of contact. Now we're going to receive communion here in a few minutes. Don't you dare go through a ceremonial ritual. It's a point of contact. It's, it's the body broken for you, for the healing of your diseases, for the strengthening of those bones and those ligaments and those joints. That blood was shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Many come to me, you know, they say, well, Pastor, am I allowed to take communion? Because, you know, I, I, I know I've been living in sin. Absolutely come. Because when that blood hits you, you won't be living in sin anymore. Run to the table. Run to the Lord's table and repent of that sin. Somebody said, well, I thought it said it, I'd be judged. Yeah, you will be. Don't go living in the sin. The whole point of the table is to get you out of the sin so you don't die early. It's not taking the communion elements. It's going to kill you. 
<laughs> it's the sin that will kill you. Get out of the darkness and into the light. Receive it. But I'll tell you, friends, receive it like Jesus did. He broke it and gave thanks. And when you receive it, give thanks. Give thanks for the measure of what He, he did on that cross. Give thanks for the measure that it's paid in full. And because when I magnify the measure that it was paid in full, see, I don't have to be paranoid and look at my own life and say, okay, what do I got to do to fill up what's not been paid for? I didn't give away that VCR to add to something God already done. I, I gave that out of obedience to the Spirit. That's all. You don't owe... You don't owe anything on the tab. God's paid it. There's nothing standing between you and healing tonight. Absolutely. Oh, but you don't know how I've lived. That's what the blood's for. Because after you take the blood, you don't know how you lived either. Because he said he's thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness. And like, like uh, one, one old preacher said, don't go fishing for him. When he's thrown your sea, sins into the sea of forgetfulness, why would you want to go fishing for it? I, I, I like one of the testimonies Kenneth Copeland told. He said he'd, he'd messed up, he'd fallen into sin, and then he had to preach that night. So he wasn't going to preach. He, 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 he's going to resign. He's going to quit. And he, he, you know, he, he didn't know who to quit to. But he told God, I ain't going. So he never left the hotel room. And the meeting's going on. There's all the volunteers and worship going on. He ain't left the hotel room because he'd sinned. And finally, the Spirit of the Lord came on him and said, uh, aren't you going? And he said, no, I ain't going. The Lord said, why aren't you going? And he said, Lord, you know why I'm not going. And the Lord said, no, I don't. Did you ask me to forgive you for it? Yes, you know I did. Well, then you also know I forgot about it. It would be a pretty good thing if you did. Hello? There's nothing between you and your healing. Let me say it another way. If some pagan sitting in the dirt hearing one sermon could be healed and leap and walk. You know what the real issue is? Our faith that God loves us just so. That God loves us just as much. I'm sorry. I just have a knot in my spirit that somebody really needs a miracle. So I'm just going to keep wheedling here till I figure it out. I went into a church one time in a place called Abakan. And I was, had been there one time before. And we had great meetings and I came back. And there's a problem that happens when you get a reputation is people like to come and see a performance. And I hate that. And I came in, I think it might have been like a Sunday night. We were starting a week of meetings and I got in the pulpit on a Sunday night and the place was comfortably full. Seated about 700 people. It was comfortably full. But see, in the prayer room, the Lord told me what to do. I never did it before in my life and I've never done it since and dear Lord don't make me do it again because I was in the prayer line or in the prayer room behind the pulpit and the Lord said I don't want you to preach tonight I want you to go up 
read one scripture, which I read, and then tell the people there'll be no... The scripture he had me read was where they opened up the roof and let the man down. Read that scripture. And then tell the people there'll be no healings tonight because you didn't bring anybody. There'll be no blind eyes opened because you didn't bring any blind. There'll be no cripples walking because you didn't bring any cripples. And do that for about five minutes and then turn around and leave and come back to the prayer room. And man, that was hard to do. But I did it. And I knew the pastor was going to be so mad. And I was really hard too. I mean, I, I was. I let him have it. And I went back and sat in the prayer room and prayed, oh God, let the pastor, you know, let me preach tomorrow. <laughs> Monday morning, first day of Bible school. Couldn't have Bible school because the place was full of sick people. They bust them in. And half of them weren't born again. They just went and found homeless. And, you know, anybody sick. There was a woman there that had gangrene in her leg. Her leg was black as my slacks. And the whole room stunk. Uh, can you imagine? This room seated 700 people. The place, you could smell it. And I laid hands on that woman. And and there were cracks in her in the skin. It was just horrible. And the next day, that old woman, she's probably about 60 years old, a babushka, a grandmother, she got up in front of that same Bible school group and she hitched up her dress and was showing off her legs. <laughs> that was the weirdest testimony time. <laughs> There ain't nothing between you and your healing. He's a good God. And he, and he proved it. So what we're going to do, are we going to do communion first and worship? Or are we going to worship and do communion? Do communion first. Alright. Do we want to serve the people or do we want them to come forward? We're going to pass and serve the people. Why don't you hold the elements and we'll receive all together. And I want you to take the the, uh, the reality of this sacrifice. This is Jesus on the cross. This is a body broken for you. This is blood shed for you. There's nothing but righteousness as a result of His blood shed. There's nothing but healing as a result of His body broken. Thank God. Thank God. Come on in, children. You're the new generation. See, that's the alpha generation right there. Learning faith downstairs. I hope, parents, that you understand that. These kids are taught faith. Hallelujah. We have a Savior in our Lord. We have a Savior, we have a Savior in our Lord. 
on what God is doing. Someone's had some deterioration in your eardrum and the Lord is healing that right now. If it's you, come down here. I'd like to lay hands on you. The power of God. There's no, there's no distance between you and your healing. There's no distance. His name is Jesus. He is the Thank you, Lord Jesus. Is that you, brother? Come on over. Aren't you glad God's got your number? Huh? Amen. Lift your hands up. Aren't you glad the Lord's got his number? I said, aren't you glad the Lord has his number? See, now if you're sensitive to faith, did you feel the room fill with faith? Could you feel the room filled with faith? That's where the miracles are. That's where the miracles are. And I'm telling you, I'm from a good old redneck hunting grouse, I learned when there's one, you kick out two or three more. Amen. Aren't you glad God's got his number? Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lift your hands up and receive it. When I lay hands on you, receive the healing power of God. We're going to count this thing done. We're going to, we're going to count this miracle done. We're going to believe that it's done. And because we believe it's done, we're going to praise the Lord. We're going to scream. Hallelujah. Be healed in the name of Jesus. I speak to these ears. Be made whole. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Somebody's been having a bout with fevers that come and go. And you're bothered about some kind. Just stay here and praise the Lord. You're just good for us. I like it radiating off of you. But there's fevers coming and going that's concerning you, some kind of an infection. And you're actually dealing more with the fear of it than with the fever itself. Where are you? Come on down here in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. I bless you, Jesus. I bless you, Jesus. He is the Thank you, Jesus. To him we sing. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. He is the Thank you, Lord Jesus. To him we Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
His name is Jesus. Don't unhook. I received of the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, He took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it, and He said, Take and eat, this is my body which is broken for you. In the midst of disappointment and betrayal, He gave His life for three years to His closest friends, and one of them betrayed Him. wonder if Jesus ever thought about just throwing in the towel. Well, is it really worth it? You know he was tempted in all points just like you and me. I'm sure glad he didn't throw in the towel. I'm sure glad he wasn't disappointed. Sure glad you didn't throw in the towel. Anybody in here just ever felt like throwing in the towel? Sure am glad some of you are back. Because we've all been through it. Isn't it good to know? Amen. But what did he do? He broke it and he gave thanks. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. He did it for you. He did it for me. Let's take, let's eat, let's be healed. Let's all be healed. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Got to have something to wash that down with blood of Jesus the blood of the covenant you don't forget blood's not just the payment of your sin for your sin it's also the sign of the covenant which goes beyond your sin come on you remember when you were kids and you cut your hands and shook hands with your best friend and said come on Bobby let's be covenant brothers am I the only one who did that could be. I told you God speaks to me in redneck. redneck. <laughs> this is a covenant. It's an agreement. It goes beyond contract. I'm in covenant with God. You know your wife has to put up with you because she's your wife. You know that feeling? And she does. And then she works you through the loops until you come around. But you're joined, right? You understand your covenant with God is stronger than your covenant with a marriage and your wife covenant marriage between a man and a woman is a sign or a symbol of a covenant relationship between God and you. It's going to be harder for you to shape God than you think. He doesn't believe in divorce. He won't leave you alone. He'll run you down. But that's a good thing. Because the blessings of the Lord will overtake you. Covenant. Take and drink. Be in the kingdom righteous and free. Hallelujah. Do you know that's the righteousness of God you've got right now? Do you know you're forgiven and free? You know there's nothing on being held account against you? Somebody said, Well, I wish I could quit smoking cigarettes. I turn around all the time and end up smoking another one. You know, if you just prayed right now, you ain't never smoked one. You just broke that habit. Free in Jesus' name. I still have. Let's let's all stand and worship. You can pass your cups to the center aisle. But I still have it in my heart. There's more that the Lord wants to do. We've had how many sermons on healing? 
There is so much faith in this place. We might blow the windows out. Amen. While we worship, receive that healing power of God. While we worship, receive that healing power of God for you, for your family, for your neighbors. While we worship, receive. Receive, receive. While we worship. While we worship, receive, receive, receive. While we worship. I believe God, it shall be as it was told me. I believe God, it shall be as it was told me. I believe God, it shall be. Even as it was told me. Marriage is coming together. Strife going out. Father, we anoint this cloth in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for the healing power. We thank you, Lord, when this cloth is laid upon the infirm, upon their body. Sicknesses leave their body. Diseases go from their body. Fever leaves their body. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. Mark the time and the hour. Mark the day and the place. Stir up within yourself and run the race. For what I've laid before you is clear. And what I want to do is here. It's time for revival. It's time to see what others dreamed of. It's time to enjoy what's not been tasted. It's time to recognize the kingdom of God in a greater way. It's time to see miracles exploding every day. And we thank you for it, Father. We bless you for it. And we worship you for it in Jesus' name. given life and health to us. Thank you that you've given us all that we need. Promise to meet our needs. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Your grace that overcomes. I thank you, Lord. You are truly good. Good in every way. And I'm so grateful. How about you? Are you grateful? Thank you, Lord. 
ownership of that which you have received tonight. It belongs to you. It goes out of the building with you. It's parked on you. It's a part of you now. That healing, that victory. It belongs to me. Say, it belongs to me. It is mine. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, one way that we're salt and light is we love on each other. So do that as you go. Everyone's invited down, downstairs where we have a time of fellowship, a time of loving on each other, a time of checking up on each other, praying for each other, and do it in faith. Amen. to God. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for coming to Church of the Word International here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Amen. I said it right. <laughs> Glory to God. Love to encourage you tonight in our worship time together. You know that in Hebrews it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself with other believers even as that day approaches. Amen. We all know what that glorious day is. Glory to God. But in Psalms 27, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, come upon me, they eat up my flesh, they stumble and fall. Though a host should encamp around and about me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me, and this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after. See, you got to seek after. Be pursuing intentionally that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies, round and about me. Therefore, see, he has sit, hasn't he seated us in heavenly places? See, that is our position. The enemy is under our feet. Is that your perspective? Because it's God's perspective for you. So as my head is lifted up above my enemies, round and about, therefore, I will offer the sacrifice of praise and sacrifices of joy. I will sing and I will sing praises to the Lord. There again, we're using our free will. No matter what is happening out here in the exterior, in here, I will praise the Lord. That's exercising your beautiful free will that God has given every human being. And so much the more as we are born again, children of the Most High God, should we praise the Lord for all the wonderful things he has already done for us. Amen. Well, let's all stand together as family. 
in this beautiful house of the Lord and let's sing and give him all the glory because he's so worthy of it. It's all about you. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for being in hell for three days. Thank you for being buried that time. And Lord, thank you for raising up from the dead. You are alive and well. You are alive, God of the earth, alive for every human being. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the shed blood of Jesus. Thank you that he is the living word. The living word alive say he's alive in me he's alive in me Jesus thank you so much for being our Savior thank you for being our healer and Redeemer thank you for being everything that we need you are always available always there you said my peace I give you you gave us your very self the very substance of who you are, you've planted in each one of us. And we're so grateful. We're grateful children of the Most High God. We'll not forget, we'll not forget all the benefits that you, that your blood, that your obedience gave each and every one of us as born again children. You forgave us of all our iniquity. You've healed us of all our diseases. You redeemed our life from destruction. You crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercy. You separated us from our sin while we are yet not yours and saw out of a heart of love that you, that you wanted us. Thank you for that deliverance. Thank you for that love. Thank you that you fill our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Oh my, just bless the Lord. Lift your hands and just bless him and thank him from your heart who he is and what he is to you personally king of kings lord of lords he's everything that you need jesus that precious name of jesus oh we're so thankful we're so grateful father we give you all the praise and all the glory we worship you tonight in spirit and truth have your way in our hearts have your way have your way on the anointing of the word of god let it bring revelation and freedom and truth into our hearts. We thank you for it well in advance. But one way we love God is by loving one another. So turn to your brothers and sisters and let them know how much you love and appreciate them. The children may be dismissed at this time. Amen. Well, good evening, salt. Good evening, light.
Um, we are so excited about tonight. We have uh, an expectation that the Lord is going to minister and touch to each one of us in an area in our life that we need it, especially in this time. Amen. So before we do that, we're going to get into our, uh, we're going to take the tithe and the offering. And um, so if you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hand. Our ushers will bring one to you. You can make out your checks to CWI and um, you can also fill in any debit card information on those cards if you're giving by credit card. Do fill out the blanks though um, if you're giving by credit card on the envelope because we need like your email address and address to make sure that it goes through. Hallelujah. All right, while uh, while you are preparing that, I'm going to talk to you a little bit and teach just a little bit on sowing and reaping and the law of sowing and reaping. You know, when the Lord created the earth and created mankind and He told them, have dominion, rule over the fish of the sea, the animals, the birds, all of this stuff, have dominion. And then the first thing that He gave to them, the first gift He gave to mankind was the law of sowing and reaping. If you'll read it, it says He gave them every seed-bearing plant. And what is that? Well, seeds are meant to be planted, right? Not meant to be stored on a shelf. And so He put the natural law of sowing and reaping into motion, just like the natural law of gravity. It's not a law you can see with your eyes, but you can see the results of it with your eyes, right? Toss a ball up, it comes down. Plant a seed, it comes up. And so these are things that are natural laws that the Lord put in place. But just like any other natural law, did you know that supernaturally the natural law can either be suspended or multiplied? Suspended or multiplied. Here's what I mean by suspended. The natural, natural law does not say you can walk on water unless it's frozen, right? I had all my children at one point convinced I could walk on water, and then I explained it was frozen. I did it. (laughs) So the natural law says you can't walk on water, but when Jesus walked on water, those natural laws were suspended, and a miracle took place. Well, how about healing? The Lord created our bodies to heal, to knit together. That's how they're naturally made. It's a natural law. But then when a miraculous healing takes place, whether that healing is sped up over a week or a day or a few seconds, right? That natural law is accelerated and some supernatural results take place even above and beyond the natural. So putting an apple seed in the ground, naturally an apple tree will grow and the result of it is more fruit and more seeds, well, how about with our finances? If you go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, you'll see um, there's this, this principle is all through the Word. It's in many accounts and stories that we can read about it. Yet here in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, it's put as simply and plainly as any place in the Word. And in this, these two chapters, the entire chapters are about... Um, taking up an offering for the work that was taking place that Paul was doing. And so he starts talking about, look, you guys promised you were going to take this offering in chapter 8, 
And then he works his way down to about verse, verse 9. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, although he was rich for your sake. Now remember, the context is money. So this richness that he's talking about is wealth. For your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Just like the Lord gave us the rights to life and health, the rights to healing, He also gave us the rights to prosperity and blessing and abundance. Jesus became rich, I mean He became poor so that we might become rich. And now He goes on and He explains that how this is all going to work. And if you go down to chapter 9 and in verse 6, He says this. We're talking about the law of sowing and reaping. He says, remember this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not out of regret or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, interestingly, you know, we, we often hear this and we, we think... Uh, or no, let me say it a different way. There are people, I don't believe in this house, but there are people that hear this taught and go, they're just trying to get me to give money to them or to their church or to their television ministry. And there are people that that's their motive, right? The truth is, is in this house, that's not what we're setting out to do at all. We want you to be blessed. Everyone wants harvest, but you can't have a harvest if you don't sow. You have to sow if you want to reap. And so whether you sow here or you sow somewhere else or in other ministries, you have to sow unto the Lord if you want to reap from the Lord, right? So that's just a natural step. You're not going to expect to have a, a harvest out in your garden if you didn't go plant it. So when we plant, we're going to expect that the Lord supernaturally is going to cause this harvest to grow and increase and multiply. Now let's go on and look here to see what happens when we do this. It says in verse 8, God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Every grace of God. So that's every ability of His. It says in every way, you will always have everything you need so that you can excel in every good work. There's a whole lot of everys and always and everything's in there. That is the language of God. Prosperity, abundance, generosity, more than enough, overflowing. The law of sowing and reaping works in every arena in life. Every arena. It's a law that He put in place. The law of sowing and reaping. Now, if you want to have supernatural help to this law and put the turbo boost to it, if you will, for those of you that like diesel trucks and turbos, verse 10, now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. That's that supernatural acceleration taking place. That supernatural divine help to that seed that was sown. I put four seeds in the ground, but when I went out there, there was eight apple trees. How did that happen? Well, the Lord multiplied that seed. He goes on and he explains it. He says, as you are enriched in every way for all generosity, that's the purpose of it, 
which produces thanksgiving to God through us. That's the result of it. The purpose is for you to be generous. The result is the thanksgiving that God receives, realizing God provided for me. You know, my needs are met by my giving. Your needs are met by your giving. Let's just say that. My needs are met by my giving. Amen. All right, take your offering or your tithe and let's pray over it. Father, we thank you so much for your promises and for the law of sowing and reaping. Especially here on our finances as we're praying right now, Lord, I ask for this, your supernatural help, that you increase our seed, that you multiply our seed and our harvest, Lord, that we would be generous in every way. Father, prompt us in the areas and places you want us to be generous. Lord, help us to see those opportunities Opportunities even for investment, investment into the kingdom, investment into business and even natural causes, Father. I thank you for this increased acceleration that you are helping us with so that thanksgiving will rise up to you and you will be recognized as the source of all these good things. In Jesus' name and amen. Well, the ushers can pass the baskets. And the people will give unto the Lord. Now, we don't say that every week to get you to give. We say it so that your giving is to the Lord and not to man. A few announcements. We are, this coming Saturday at 8 a.m., we have a men's group here at the church building. All the men are invited. There is a sign-up sheet in the back, and even if you don't sign up, you can come, um, but, but it'd be nice if you signed up. That way, we don't have to break the pancakes and believe for increase on them. I don't know if that's what we're having, but whatever it is, right? So, so sign up. Let us know if you're going to be there so that we can be properly prepared and uh, come out and join us 8 a.m. On, on Saturday. Also, the children's ministry is replacing the toys downstairs. So they're pretty well used. And, and so if you have uh, toys that you no longer need or are in good condition and you would like to uh, bring those, talk to um, Reba or Kelly. Kelly, are you in here tonight? Okay, Kelly's waving at us. Is Reba here tonight? Maybe she's downstairs. Okay, talk to one of those two if you want to um, be a part of that. Next weekend, we are going to have a special treat. Larry Mills, Larry Kay, and Laura will be here, and he's going to be ministering, as well as next weekend is our offering weekend, our missions offering weekend, so come prepared for that. And um, we're going to just have a wonderful time together with them. Last weekend, we ha- is Benji here tonight? I, don't, I didn't see him, but maybe I overlooked. Okay, last weekend... Um, at the end of the service, when we were worshiping, we had, uh, the Lord told me two things, or actually he told me three things, but I'll share two of them. Two things um, to do, and, and the first was, he said, after, after worship is over, have an altar call, and Benji will come forward. And that's exactly what happened. Then he gave me a second thing to do. He said, next week, ask Dale to preach and have him teach on faith. And so I promptly, I didn't get to catch him after the service, I promptly texted him and asked him, and uh, he so graciously agreed to to be here. Now, the reason I tell you that is because 
there is a reason that the Lord asked me to tell him that and to ask him to teach on faith. We need to grow in faith, right? And so tonight, listen with an ear to hear, an ear to put it into practice, because it is, it is I believe, a divine word, a timely word uh, for us in this season.